When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Welcome to Women Winning Divorce with your host, Heather Quick. Heather brings over 20 years of law experience that advocates and empowers women to achieve happier and healthier lives. Each week, we provide knowledge and guidance on different aspects of family law to help lead women through the difficult and emotional legal challenges that they are facing. Listen in as she discusses issues including divorce, custody, alimony, paternity, narcissism, mediation, and other family law issues to provide insight on the journey of women. Women Winning Divorce. Welcome to the show. I'm Julie Morgan, and I'm joined by your host, Heather Quick. Heather, I like those flowers you're wearing today. I like that. Looks good. Why, thank you, Julie. You know, it's spring and summer, so I like to wear some color. Oh, yes. I like that. Uh, You guys should see her, so I'm just telling you. It's it's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Heather, so last week we talked about what happens you know, if your divorce goes to trial, right? So today we're going to talk about preparing for trial. As with anything, preparation is key if we want a really good outcome. But how important is it in this context? It is, it's so very important because you really... You have to be prepared, your attorney needs to be prepared, and there, there's so much that goes into that, that if you want, you know, if you're clear on your goals and what outcome you're looking for, preparation is key. And it's going to alleviate some of the stress um, that you may feel and, and anxiety, which is normal in, you know, you're about to go to court and trial and all that. And so that is why preparation um, is very important and should not be, um, you know, underestimated or think, oh, we don't need to do that or this. Not true. You do. So it sounds like, I mean, you know, you really need to follow the direction of your attorney because this is really not, it's probably not your lane, you know, as a client. It's not. And if you think it is, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, and, you know, really even, I will go as far as to say, even if you are an attorney, and, and you know, we have lots of smart, very smart business owners, women, attorneys, doctors, but it is your case. And therefore, your objectivity is skewed. And it's very difficult to, you know, see it through a different lens because it's your case, your life. And so therefore there needs to be a lot of preparation. And like we discussed last week, it's not like, you know, folks see on TV. And so when you're not familiar, it's so important. What I think is so important. One, of course, all, everything we need legally and evidence and all that, we're going to talk about that, but that you have an understanding of how it's going to go. You know, like you understand, hey, what is that layout going to be? Where are we going to be sitting? You know, how, who gets to go first? How do things work? Just those logistics in and of itself is so very important. And then knowing, you know, your questions, your evidence, your financial information, you need to know what you're talking about and be prepared and know what questions are going to be coming. 
You know, this makes me think of, uh, you said, okay, well, if you are, you know, um, an attorney, this probably, you understand what's going on, but this is so personal. I wonder if someone that, an attorney has tried to cover their own case and how that worked out. And, you know, sometimes they do, and I, you know, I don't know, but I know that really when you anybody is involved in something as personal as this your your money your children things like that it's very hard to be objective and unemotional um you know some people can be but i think that that would all be normal and even when gearing up for trial you may have more of an understanding of how things are going to go and you understand the language and procedure but still, you need to not play the lawyer. You need to be the witness in this case. So that's why that's important in really working with your attorney, because of course your input's essential to everything. And you need to remain engaged and involved um, as we prepare for trial and at the trial, of course. And that's difficult to do when you are the subject. Yeah. So, um, what sort of witnesses are best? It really, you know, when we look at the issues, um, we need to put together a witness list. And, and as we discussed, that has to happen before trial. We don't surprise people with, you know, we bring in all these witnesses. Um, there, There is disclosure on who's going to be there and what are they going to testify to? Because it has to be relevant to the issue. So when let's take the just the assets and value. OK, well, we may need that appraiser as a witness um, for the value of commercial property or personal property. Now, maybe there's a lot of jewelry. OK, we have done you know, we do appraisals of personal property because too often, maybe they're they're not really properly valued or guns. Guns are really valuable. Um, I don't know really anything about them, but I know they and they hold their value. Same with certain types of jewelry and things that are um, that hold their value. So those might be some of the financial experts. Sometimes we do have accountants come in and testify and explain to the court you know, the value of maybe different assets like tax implications so that, you know, those are understood because very rarely do the husband or wife fully understand maybe, for example, tax implications and um, they're going to be testifying more to their advantage. So you want someone in the courtroom that can, again, provide evidence. I may understand something. I'm not a witness. I'm your attorney. Your attorneys can't testify. So if the court is going to consider something, it has to be brought in through a witness. So that's why there can be multiple witnesses. And that's just the example, like some, a few who would be present on a financial side. Um, you know, we also have, you know, people who could talk about investments and, you know, what kind of return you're going to get because the court may presume that, which that gets a little, you know, I'm not trying to get too complicated there, but there's a lot depending on what the issues are and, you know, what outcome we're trying to achieve. That's how we determine what witnesses we may need. 
Okay. And you know what? I kind of got a little bit ahead of myself when I asked you about witnesses. That's really not even the first step. The first step is actually what you kind of mentioned in um, when you were speaking. The first step is to gather all your financial documents. Does it always start with money? Well, yes. Yes, because, and that is a requirement. So the, you know, when we talk about the rules of procedure, there, there's a lot of rules on, hey, submission of a financial affidavit. That's in the statute. They don't just make that up for fun and, and make you do that. And what's called the mandatory disclosure, things you have to disclose. And uh, yes, we rely on the financial affidavit and so does the court. So it is a roadmap for everything that the two of you own, even if maybe some things are titled, you know, individually or not. And as we've talked in many episodes, there may be more than one because you come to our office, you know, our first financial affidavit, you may not have as much information about all the finances, or there may be things that you're unaware of. And so through the discovery process, which again does take time, but is important because we do not want to leave assets out. If you're unaware of them, we need to make sure, you know, we have that complete picture. So then when we prepare the financial affidavit closer to trial, it's going to be as accurate as possible based on what we've learned through discovery. Okay, so that's why you have more than one. One initially, and then as you move closer to trial, after you've found certain things out, um, you'll update that one. Correct. So it really does all start with money. Starts and ends with money. And then there's a lot of other stuff in between. But at the end of the day, yes, there, there, there are the finances and there, it's important. And what he said, she said, I know that's really not the proper term. He said, she said is not permissible. Uh, well, yes. I mean, obviously, wife's going to testify. Husband's going to testify. And you can say in court, what do you think the value is of something? But sometimes, you know, we we really want an expert on that. And what I know we talked about last time, and, and this is you know my point of view, is that if we have no other witnesses to corroborate your what you're saying or you know um, disagree with what he's saying, then the court, which is the judge's job to assess credibility and determine what he believes, you know, if there's a conflict in which way he's going to, or she is going to make a decision, then um, that just sometimes, you know, can be a little risky. Not sometimes, it is risky because it's not that I doubt your credibility as my client, but you could be nervous, you could get flustered, and you may not, you know, have no, you know, be the best witness throughout on certain things. And so then if there are other people, like, and sometimes it is friends and family who can testify, like if we're talking about, and that's really gonna come more down to the issues of children, or usually, or lifestyle things that you have done. But it may be important, let's say, you're, I'll just use an example, I'll make something up that could easily happen and has. You, you know, you have your mother testify that 
you know, throughout the marriage and even during the divorce, she provides a lot of child care for your children, even when it's supposed to be his time. And so therefore, just establishing with the court, hey, this is what has been going on. And, you know, she can say, hey, when he's working, this is what I do. I pick them up, you know, I transport them and, you know, feed, bathe them or whatever, just because that goes to one of the factors, you know, when we are looking at timesharing on regarding the children. So that would be an example of when that would be important to have your parent there who does provide all this childcare. So they know they're not just giving opinions. They have been involved. They understand certain things, you know, and they have been with the children and both parents sometimes in, you know, substance abuse, they have witnessed things important. So that's why those things are very important to share with your attorney. And then your attorney will, you know, discuss with you, you know, why, why not we have these particular witnesses. Okay. And also just in case one uh, says, oh yeah, um, I'm always with the children. The, you know, the mother-in-law can say, Mm-mm, that's not true. Exactly. And yes. And so, although, you know, and hey, the, your mom is probably going to be biased in your favor, I would hope, um, but they, they still are a fact witness and they can testify. And, you know, we, you know, weave through that to the extent necessary. And also gather any evidence you've mentioned in the past text messages, emails, that sort of thing. Make sure you keep a record of that. Absolutely. I, you know, I know I've said this before and I will say it again. Watch what you say in text and um, gather and keep things that you have received um, from your your spouse, um, anything that you think is relevant. The thing is, I prefer for clients, and I think it's best, bring it all in. I'll let you know and I'll explain. You know, our attorneys will explain. We can use this, we can't use this. What does this show? Okay. You know, and that that's really the attorney's job. Your job as a client is to even over-communicate. Give me all the information, tell me all of these things. We will filter out what is important, necessary, what will be helpful or not. And that is, in my opinion, the best way to do it rather than you as the client deciding, I'm going to share this, I'm not. Because you may or may not, you may think something that we really is not going to be entered would be, but something else, you might say, oh, that wasn't important. You know, the attorney may find that very important and we might want to um, explore that issue, call a witness, things of that nature. Okay. And then after you've explained to them why this is important, then they'll definitely know for the next time, okay, so I should probably share this with my attorney if something comes up. You would hope so. I, I again, if, you know, as you should, as I've always said, you know, hire an attorney. And if you hire an expert to do your divorce, let them do it. But if you don't give them all the information then you have handicapped them and you may not get the result that you want based on that or, you know, where you show up at trial and then you say things in front of the judge that you've never told your attorney. Not helpful. It's not a good idea. You know, um, I don't care how bad it is or how bad you think it is. At least we can prepare you um, 
for that and, you know, discuss how we're going to address it because you're under oath. You have to tell the truth. And if there's anything you don't want in front of the judge, I'm pretty sure your husband probably knows about it and has told his attorney. So therefore, it, I would say go on the premise that it's going to come out. So tell your attorney first. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. When we return, the conversation continues on preparing for a trial. Stay with us. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney for Florida Women's Law Group. Heather, you know, tell me this. What is a pre-trial hearing? Explain that to me. So as the, the name suggests, pre, meaning before the trial, the judge is going to require the attorneys to be present. Some judges want the parties there as well. And at that time, they are going to really want to know, hey, are we one prepared for the trial? Have, you know, there's a lot of requirements by the judge um, and every judge differs, but they will have said, have the two attorneys met and reviewed everything? And, you know, are you really done what I've said to do, which is meet, exchange all exhibits, go through and decide essentially what you agree on and what you disagree on. And I know we talked about that previously, that that is required by the court. So he's going to look at that. They're going to say, all right, our trial is probably in a week or two at the pretrial. Generally, they set those about two weeks ahead, maybe um, 10 days. And they're going to, at that time, you know, say, hey, have you exchanged all of the discovery, all the financials? And are we extending the date? You know, a lot of times we don't want to receive things up until the day of trial uh, because it, it leaves you not much time to be prepared. And so, you know, if you're a client, that's not helpful to at the last minute provide us with a lot of documents that you think are important. And I understand if you think they're important, but we have obligations under the court and it's just not helpful. Um, and I think it's a natural, it's a natural response because it is the procrastination a little bit, but it is the understanding of the seriousness is it's coming up. Oh my goodness, this is in two days. But what about this? Oh my gosh, there's this, there's this. I had blocked this out. And now you start gathering all these things, sending all these things to your attorney um, that we may or might not be able to use because, you know, you really didn't appreciate or understand that the judge gives us a date. And so, you know, for anyone listening who as, you know, is going through this, please listen to that as, you know, take it seriously now, look for everything, think of everything, really kind of do a brain dump and write out a list in your mind of everything that could possibly be necessary and then do it, get it to your attorney. You know, Heather, you, you speak seriously about so many things, but I feel this is very serious. This is something that you know, the client should pay attention to, close attention. Yes. And it's, again, this is, you know, your day in court that is going to end with some decisions and a finality on issues 
that are so important to you and clearly contested enough between you and your husband that we have to have a judge decide. And, you know, as attorneys, we, our goal is to achieve your outcomes to the best that we can and to also know that you have had input in this case. And when you wait to the last minute, it it puts us in a bind and that creates, I believe, a belief for a client that, oh, if only this had been allowed in, it would be a different result. And the judge gets to decide and, you know, your husband's attorney will object failure to disclose this earlier. And I mean, that happens really rarely that it's that going to be that um, important of a document or something. But if you believe it is and you haven't disclosed it, you just need to understand that it may or may not. And it may have been something, even if we found earlier, you know, whether the court would agree that this could come in, if the other side objected, that's a different story. But if it's because you were late, like that, that happens. That happens in the courtroom. There are certain rules and some judges are harder, are tougher than others and stricter than others. I will tell you. So some judges will be like, oh, it's okay. You know, you can see this and prepare for it. Others will be, are very, you know, sticklers on the rules and no, you had an opportunity. You didn't present this earlier. You didn't disclose it. You're not going to be allowed to admit it. So yes, I do because I, I know how you know, our clients think and, and then they can maybe even attach an importance to some document that maybe doesn't really have that much importance, but now because it didn't get to be used, it, it just creates a, a belief that, hey, this could have gone a different way. So is the pretrial hearing, is that the deadline for submitting evidence? Most of the time, unless the attorneys agree to extend it. And again, you want to follow the, the deadlines that we know exist. We might decide, hey, we want to give each other a little more time, but I wouldn't count on that. Be, it depends on the size of the case, the size of the document. You know, what is it? Are we specifically know, hey, we're due to get documents from a bank this week, you know, that have been delayed. It, lots of things and reasons. But, you know, for clients, when your attorneys give you a date, like this is the last day you can give me stuff, you, I, I would recommend that you take that very seriously. And whenever you're presenting a case, does it matter what you present first? Um, it does in a way that it needs to make sense. And, you know, what we are doing when we are presenting a case is we're, we want the judge to understand the whole picture. So when I say telling a story, I don't mean something false or anything, but you want it to make sense and flow because judge is a human being. They're taking notes. It needs to make sense in the order. So we typically do present in an order um, that we you know, are going to either address the financials first or the children first, and we want it to flow. So your attorney is going to really determine that. Now, if you filed, which I don't remember if we talked about this last week, I know in the past we've talked about, hey, does it matter if you file first? But if you are the one, if we filed first for divorce, we will present our case first. So that 
is an advantage, I think. So it will change maybe the way in which we'll do present the evidence because, you know, our case goes first before the husband's. Okay. No, we did not talk about that at all. That's interesting. Okay. I don't know if you want me to save that for a different time because I, I mean, I know we've talked about in the past, um, oh, okay. Other things that affects that. Okay. We, no, we didn't talk about that. Mm -mm. So that does, that will affect what order we go in and, you know, it's just, you're going to be questioned first in that case. And we're going to really lay it all out. And usually, you know, what, how we prepare at this office is, you know, we might have 10 pages of questions and we're going to go through those. And the reason is to establish a cadence, get you familiar and discuss the things that are going to be at issue. And you want to do that in a way that makes sense. Again, with the questions and then what evidence goes along with the questions, so that meaning documents. And and it's, it's a lot of preparation, but then it flows much better once you are there in the courtroom. What about a deposition? Is that necessary? Yes, um, and we typically do depositions before trial. Um, and a lot of times, you know, there will be different experts and other witnesses that will have their depositions taken. And that's very common. And then we will take depositions of the husband or wife. And that way you do. That's the only way as far as our ability to get information from your husband. We have to go through a deposition. So um, it can be very effective and it's good practice you know, for most clients to have had their deposition taken. And it does give you some insight. Many, I've taken many depositions where husband's very difficult and they don't want to answer a question. They don't want to be, you know, forthright and forthcoming. And that will be apparent later. It gives you some insight and, you know, they're going to be really argumentative and, and difficult and rude. I've had that in some cases. Um, and, you as the client can determine, hey, are they being really aggressive in the deposition to make you uncomfortable? You know, there's a lot of reasons in psychology why attorneys do what they do, but it does get you used to answering questions under oath and knowing that if you say something different at trial, that will be used against you. Okay. So, and help me understand this, the deposition comes before mediation. Am I right? In most cases it should, um, because typically you take a deposition and you learn a lot of stuff that maybe you didn't know and which leads you to say, hey, I want these documents. You told me about this. I want to know X, Y, Z, and therefore you're more prepared before mediation. Again, Real, it, it does depend on the issues and how much is at issue. What are we really fighting about or, you know, disagreeing about? Then the attorney will determine how helpful a deposition will be. But I know very often if you're like, well, I didn't know this or this, the judge, and let's just say if you were in a hearing and something came out that you were unaware of, the judge is going to look at you. Why don't you take a deposition? You're completely entitled to take a deposition. And to say you're not taking it to save costs is not a, a valid reason. 
And that's where clients, you know, when we're doing this, like we are doing things to better prepare ourselves and the other side for a resolution. And and if we think that's necessary to take a deposition, and often it is, the that that would be why. It's not a waste of time. Um, many clients, because they just don't, it's hard to appreciate the how helpful that can be to have a deposition. And before the trial, you practice with the client, right? We do, depending on how, I think it varies, you know, some clients and we've already had a hearing or a deposition, so they've seen more and that does help. That's also what's very helpful is because now you have been in hearings, you have seen the judge, so you'd have at least, you know, who's going to be sitting there presiding over the case. You've been in interactions with the other attorney, so you understand how it's going to go. So yes, we, by the time it gets to trial, we are able to prepare with the client and go through those scenarios and typically we know the issues that maybe the other side is going to be more aggressive on or you know your how to help the client answer those questions truthfully but sticking to the question and not elaborating and going on unless that's you know a helpful thing to do isn't that difficult though to stick to the question? Have or have you found that clients um, feel that that's a difficult thing to do? It depends on their personality. I think you know if you are a person who just talks all the time and and maybe kind of forgets what you're talking about, and then that's just personality. You know, you might do that. It's also out of nervousness sometimes that you will talk and. You know, so the key is listen to the question. And if you actually can hear yourself talking, that probably means you've been talking too long. So just stop and try to remember what in the world you're talking about. Because that's just that I say, I've said that a million times, but I think that's true. I have found myself, even sometimes when you and I are talking, all of a sudden I ended up and I'm like, where did I go on that thing? I think I went like sideways and, and kept talking about issues that weren't the first question. So it can happen. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney for Florida Women's Law Group. When we return, we're going to talk about what the client needs to do during trial. Stay with us. You're listening to Women Winning Divorce with Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. Heather, the day of court. I can get there late, right? You know that's our <laughs> I know. So um, a couple things on the day of court and our trial, and typically it's going to start around nine. Um, the judge has usually some other matters that they always want to get done before we start at nine. Uh, regardless of the time it starts, you want to know where you're going. Again, so helpful if you have had a hearing before, meaning you've actually driven it. You know what it, how long it's going to take. You know where to park so that you've lessened your nerves or just take an uber like do something if you particularly if you are nervous and really have more anxiety then do that have a friend bring you family member it it can be much more calming they can wait outside even if they're not going to be involved and any of the 
external things you can remove is going to be helpful because, you know, the last thing you need is to be speeding, get a ticket, an accident, very, all very unlikely on the odds, but you don't want that to happen. So yes, arrive early and have thought through who could take you maybe or an Uber, anything like that. And we definitely talk to our clients about that because that's what we want you to do. Um, and you want to make a good import impression on the court, which means you are not going to be late and you are going to be dressed professionally. Okay. And you're just basically trying to make sure there's nothing else weighing on your mind, you know, just kind of clear it all out so you can focus. Exactly. Yes. This requires your 100% focus. And I remember you saying the same thing as far as mediation is concerned as well. If you guys want to listen to that show, you can go to our website, womenwinningdivorce.com to download, subscribe, and listen. But you mentioned the same thing for mediation, and that's just how important this is. Correct. And I understand that when you're really nervous about something, sometimes your brain, you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do because of the nerves, like go the wrong way and get lost to somewhere you know how to get, you know, I mean, and those things just do happen. I, I that's why, hey, just take that factor out of it and, and don't drive if, if, if you believe that will happen. And most of our clients really do have somebody drive them and it gives them the support and that's important as well. Also, keep your emotions in check. That's important. It is. Um, and yes, so often there may be testimony and you do get emotional because one, you're, you know, in front of a judge and then your husband's there, we're in just a room. That is okay. I'm not asking you to be cold and not be who you are. However, if you are very angry or get way over on the emotionality side and hysterical, that's not going to help anything. And we're going to have to take a break and you're going to have to calm down. And, and that's okay if it happens, but certainly not the angry. Like this is not the time to show a, to show it if there are kids involved, but either way, you know, it's like, if there aren't kids involved and you're angry, that's okay. But, you know, this is going to be a business transaction and we're going to move through it uh, from the court's perspective. But the, you know, extreme emotions, it's not going to help you. It's not, it, it hurts your credibility um, and it gets you really worked up. And so therefore it, you're going to have to then bring yourself down. So that that's difficult. Can you ask the judge, can we have a moment? Oh, indeed, indeed. But if you happen to have gone off or like show a side of you that is not pretty, um, and, and everybody knows what I mean by that, the emotional side, um, the judge may say, no, I want to hear this. Keep on going, you know, could, but oh, absolutely. And I, um, yeah, I mean, I may look at you with my eyes like, but I can't, I can't sit there and say, don't talk when I've just asked you a question. I mean, there are certain things that I can do, but if maybe it's on cross-exam and they're on a roll and 
you know, the court may say, no, no, we can finish here. So it, there may be times. Yes. So, and then that, what that means to them is they are not, they want to see this side. They want to hear this testimony. Um, and you know, that's probably not going to fare well. Ooh. Oh boy. I just, I, there are so many places I want to go with that, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on track. Okay. So <laughs> facial expressions, you can't let those just fly either. Your words are your facial expressions. That's right. And you just did a good hand and eye roll that is, you, you better not do that in the courtroom. And particularly if you're my client, because that is just not going to work now. And let me explain to our listeners, everybody listening, we are in, in this jurisdiction. And so in Duval County in the fourth circuit, in St. John's County, you are in what you would think of a traditional courtroom. But regardless, when you testify, even in um, other counties in a witness box, you're very close to the judge. But it's when you're on the sidelines. And so if you're in a smaller room and you're rolling your eyes or making gestures, they can see it. And even if you think they're not paying attention, they are. There is this one judge, this is way back, in my law school days. Um, and I was doing a judicial internship and we were allowed to go watch other trials. And this one judge would lean back and, and you would swear he was asleep. And I'm, I, I just am telling you, like, but anything happened, like he was on it. So they're not, I mean, they're not sleeping. They are very in tune with the small little things because that's kind of, you know, your body language shows more about what you think and feel sometimes than your words. So it is extremely important and, you know, for so many reasons, but if there, if you have children, which tends to be when you have more negative emotions, can have negative emotions about your spouse, the court is really going to take that into consideration. And that is something that you know we talk about with clients and really help try to help them work through again back to the counseling thing because if you go in there with hate towards them it could be very damaging to you yeah that goes back to something we've talked about and it's as far as the the mental health and and going to a counselor you need to work through it because this is this is yet another reason to, that you need to work through it, really. Exactly. All righty. So we we kind of mentioned this a little bit in the last segment. Stick to the facts. Yes, and answer the question. Because if you're not listening and answering the question, and you do that multiple times, you are going to be viewed as evasive and not answering a direct question. And that affects your credibility. Now, I also said, don't volunteer any information. You know, if they ask you a question, answer it. Your attorney's job is to follow up, you know, during the, after, you know, say you're cross-examined from someone else, you're going to know and you're going to do great when your attorney's questioning you. That's where it flows and you're going to give, you know, your answers that you are, you know, prepared to do. It's when you're cross-examined 
that they are trying to trick you. So you really need to listen and do your best to answer the question without completely avoiding it. And which goes to be just tell the truth. Like you should have already told your attorney, the judge is going to hear it. If you are not truthful, that is more harming to you than potentially the actual truth of what you have to testify about. Oh boy. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's very clear. You said they do try to trick you, the other attorney, that's what they're doing. Well, I mean, that's cross-examination and it's, it's an art and you know, if they're good at it, you know, they'll, they can, if you're not listening, if you're not listening and paying attention, um, because they're going to ask you things you don't want to be asked. Now, we try to, you know, as your attorney, they should, we should bring all that out on our side so you can tell the truth, but explain it versus just being, you know, caught off guard on cross-examination. And, you know, part of what goes on in the courtroom during a trial is there's a lot. And I want to, this is a bit about the um, body language and things like that. Um don't talk to your attorney during somebody else's testifying um, because the judge will get on to you, one, and two, your attorney has to listen to the question, the answer, determine if that they need to make an objection while also thinking about their follow-up uh, question to that particular question that may not happen, you know, for another 30 minutes. So, there's a lot that goes on and, you know, I, I tell my clients, I've got three things going on in my brain at all times. I will, I won't answer you and the judge will get on to you, but you can write notes and we can take breaks and communicate, but that is part of the procedure and the rules and the decorum. You, you really need to take it seriously. And, you know, this isn't where you go, well, judge, I, I want to tell you something. You better not do that because they are not going to appreciate that. That is not the way the procedure works. And you don't, you know, yell out something. That's not true. You know, that your husband says, like, don't, don't do that. Again, not TV. You watch a lot of TV. A lot of stuff happens. That is not the way it should happen. Or movies. We all do. We've all seen all those, all those things. And also, wait a minute. What if, I mean, what if something comes up, you know? And I want to direct something to my spouse, my future ex. I shouldn't do that either. No, you write it down. You know, you should have a, a pad and a pen and paper and sticky notes for things that are important and write down and not write down furiously and like with all this emotion. Again, make notes, keep yourself occupied so that you don't make a fool of yourself. Heather. I mean, we don't have that much time left, but I know that's difficult. I mean, especially if there's so much going on and there's so much, you know, to discuss, it's, that has to be difficult. It is. And that, that's why this is a great topic because all of these rules, anytime you're in front of the court, it's so important and your attorney, and if they didn't tell you, well, I'm glad you're listening, but most of the time they will tell you all of these things and it is important. And also, you know, you, again, you are not the attorney, you have hired your attorney, let them 
go with it. And the more experience you have as an attorney, you can sense when you're winning. And by that, I mean, I can sense that I have said enough. I have asked enough. The judge gets it. And I'm going to annoy the court if I continue down this path. I'm good. You know, we're good. And that is judgment based on experience, intuition, just all of those things. And, you know, by the time you get to this trial, you have hired a professional, you've paid them a lot of money, you you need to listen and follow them at that point because it a lot happens during a day of trial and you need to follow their direction so that you just don't, you know, again, make a fool of yourself or let things get carried away so that you can then let the judge hear what they need to hear and make the decisions that they need to make. Oh, Heather, I would love to see you in action one day. Tell, so tell <laughs> me, so uh, any parting words? Well, I mean, this really reiterates what I just said, but let your attorney be your representative. And that's why, which I don't know if we've done a show on it, but we probably will on how to pick your attorney, but spend the, do, do your due diligence and make sure that your goals are aligned with your attorney because you want to be in a position of trust and listening to them. I think when, when clients don't listen, maybe they don't, they don't trust them or they don't really understand of the ramifications, but have them explain it to you. And, you know, if you are, you know, like I said, if you have a trial next week, I'm not going to suggest that you call us and ask us to represent you at that next week. Um, for all the reasons we've talked about in the last episode, but please listen to this, talk to your attorney about these things and know that it's coming up. If you are going through a divorce, understand these are things that's why when your attorney sets meetings and, and things are delivered to you it's not arbitrary it's because they want you prepared and they need to be prepared um, and if you have any questions about these things or you know embarking on this as always give us a call and you know we're here to help you heather it's always a pleasure thank you julie Thank you for listening to Women Winning Divorce. We hope you found information to help you navigate your divorce. If you like our show, please take the time to subscribe and provide a five-star review. If you need more information, please visit our website at womenwinningdivorce.com, where you will find previous episodes and other helpful content. Join us next week as we continue our journey of Women Winning Divorce. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu.